Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Succession, succession is, a, is a beast that's affecting, will affect every single farming family. G'day and welcome back to the Farmswise podcast where we talk everything agribusiness. Now, this episode is all a part of Beyond the Tax Return series that we've collaborated with the team at Byfields over in Western Australia, but all the conversations are applicable for Australian agriculture and how you can run your farm that little bit better, where we look to break down the issues of farm management operations and improving your outcomes and who doesn't want to get a good start on 2022 to really knuckle down and make those numbers count. We wouldn't be anywhere without farms and especially family farms with the listeners predominantly coming from farming families. With 85,000 plus family owners, we like to do our best to keep it that way. Make sure on this episode you share the podcast, give it a review on Apple Podcasts and even a cheeky five-star review, but let others know what you think of the podcast, what you've gotten out of it. We've had a huge 2021 season and we're doubling down in 2022. We'll be there right with you right the way through the year with one weekly episode to keep your ears at bay and improving your farm. Now for this episode, it is intended as general information only, as the host and guests do not know your personal circumstances. Please talk to your own accountant or the team at Byfields to get the right information for your own circumstances. Now, let's get into this episode of Beyond the Tax Return series with Byfields team. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. 
and welcome to the Farnsworth podcast. Jared Ryan from the team at Byfields over in WA. How are you going today? Yeah, good. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Certainly, um, there's been a lot of people on Byfields on and we've been listening to them as you've um as, as they've gone. So it's um yeah, great, great to be here. Absolutely. And for yourself as the latest team member from Byfields coming on the podcast, you'll probably get the most listened as when we first launched with Byfields episode beyond the tax return. I think we only had two and a half, 2,000 listeners a month. And last month we had 7,000. So it's really come leaps and bounds this year as we go to wrap it up. Yeah, no, it's um, no, it's a really, really great initiative by you, Jack. And um, yeah, no, I've really been enjoying enjoying listening. And ho- yeah, hopefully a few of your listeners today get something, get something out of it. Absolutely. That's what it's all about, to get one key takeaway that they can go away implement it into their own farming operation or just use it as motivation but enough about us let's get into what you're all about jared and give us a bit of a spiel about your background and how you landed yourself at biofields today yeah no worries jack you got to um got to be careful asking those sort of questions mate i'll take up i'll take up half your podcast talking about me um yeah no look i'm i'm a manager in the um in the perth office yeah, dealing with yeah, pretty well 100 percent um, farming clients, which is uh, which is great. Classic classic wheat sheep model. Yep. Um, I'm I'm originally from a from a family farm, little location called Moody Arab, which I think if you Google it, you might find it. Otherwise, it's a small little location between um yeah, Cogen up and Darkin, which is yeah, three hours out of Perth. Um, nice nice little spot, and that that's um where I grew up. Yeah, I went to I went to university and started studied accounting. Is um, dad, dad was pretty pretty keen to make quite clear that um, yeah, if I wanted to come back to the farm, I need to understand the numbers of the business and not just how to shear a sheep. So, I fortunately was able to tick off both. I did learn how to shear a sheep and I did learn the numbers. But um, yeah, both uh, both were pretty 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 critical back then. Um, yeah, continued on doing university and then yeah, upon graduation went back to the farm full-time so I was back there probably about eight years or so um, then my sort of late 20s uh, took up an opportunity to get a job at um, Byfields doing agricultural accounting which just yeah made, made sort of sense but we kept dad and I kept the farm going so all of my weekends all my annual leave um, was spent yeah going but going back to the farm so either helping out helping out with shearing or you know dad and I would do our own crutching so yep. I was um pretty busy up and down the Albany Highway. Um, and then, yeah, during that time, yeah, got married, had a few kids, now got three under six, completed my CPA and kept working at Biofields full-time and now manager. So, yeah, probably looking back, been pretty busy. Absolutely. And all tying it in within agriculture, great to be working with clients from farming background. You mentioned, like, you went back to the family farm to work with your old man and how that played out, because Brent Jansen previously with Biofields, on the first episode of the Harvest series, talked about children returning home and how that plans out or if you've even planned for it as a farming family. It's probably something that's pushed to the back back of the mind and you're not really thinking about it. You just want your kids to come home and start working on the farm. How did that all play out for yourself? Look, to be honest, like everyone, I think um, anyone from the country has that, that hook back. So it doesn't really seem to matter where you go and what yep. you do. Yeah, your home and heart seems to always be back there. So um, although, although I already had an accounting degree and, and I was offered opportunities um, pretty much to work straight away, I 
politely decline them all because I, you sort of have that that niggle in your stomach that I think if you didn't go back and give it a go, you'd probably um yeah kick yourself going forward. So whether that was a conscious decision or not, but I think it was just always an inevitable to yeah to, to want to go back home and give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. It is always that hook that you've got into agriculture, but mm. specifically for children that are raised on farm, you always feel like you have to go back. Um, some don't always want to go back, but for others, it's just really sucked them in and it become a bit of a passion for them rather than a job. Um, and it really needs to be, doesn't it? Well, I think that sums up farming in itself. I think if you looked at farming objectively if you looked at all the challenges that get thrown at it no different with the um eastern states almost underwater while trying to harvest and yep. you know wa's had now heavy rain it's obviously had serious frost um, for some of our growers through the eastern wheat belt if you looked at farming objectively you'd probably say you'd be mad to do it there's probably an easier way to to make a dollar but it's that it's that emotive hook to it that yeah the you yeah I don't know that that's I suppose what keeps us going if I don't think I don't think if you didn't have that emotional hook you'd be a hard sell to want to go farming I think yeah 100% especially this year rings pretty true as well if you hadn't got your crops off you're looking pretty worried with this rain coming especially on the east coast we've Absolutely. been battered with some rain and we're due for more and I just saw a news article um, that it, we shouldn't be prepared for a sunny summer so it's going to be pretty wet ongoing perfect for livestock but for those yes. crops out there that haven't been harvested yet um currently probably mid-harvest so a bit worrying yeah no and look that's yeah and the trouble going back to the livestock thing well you know it's all well and good um people say you know go get some livestock well, livestock are at record prices so you can't you can't chop and change industries that that, that you're in it's good if you've got the um you know the mixed wheat sheep model but it's amazing the amount of people that are either all in cropping or, or all out sort of thing. So, yeah, when you've got all your eggs in that basket and and obviously, yeah, with the, with the way the season's going at the moment, it's, yeah, it's been a bit of a worry and pre pretty challenging for a lot of growers. Yeah, absolutely. Only If only you could drop ship some sheep or cattle into yes. the buyer's wallet, yeah. that'd be unreal. But, mate, thanks for coming on. Give us a bit of a spiel about your background. It's always pretty cool to find out about the guests behind the audio on the show so thank you very much what are we going to be talking about today look it's effectively we put we we basically came up with something that like all of us sitting in um machinery going up and back these days yeah you're desperately looking for something um compelling to listen to you can only go through your um spotify playlist so long so it was really just some key take-home messages that were really revolving around um planning strategies that um, people will be no doubt, you know, thinking about their own scenarios and what's a few take-home messages from that they can they can take from it going into 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Planning within farming is a necessity um, for farmers that need looking to prosper in their outlook, but also looking back on how their previous plan worked or what what they didn't tick off or what they did tick off and how that can set them up to finish and achieve those goals they've set it up set up initially for 2021 harvest and beyond yeah i, I look at it's um farming's one of those beasts like i'm sure there's other industries as well that that um rely on planning heavily but i just think there's there's so many variables with farming that get thrown at you in, in any one year you really need to be able to 
um, control what you can control and, 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 and look as far into the future as realistically can as a bit of, as a bit of a guiding post. So yeah, planning is in, from my critic, from my experience of either running the farm with dad or advising, advising at client level, it's um, yeah, planning in general is critical. Absolutely. 100%. It's bloody annoying when you do get these seasons just coming through at harvest time, getting the biggest drenching that we've had in quite a while with the drought previously pretty well right across Australia and a few mm. are still in it. Planning, like having a your A plan and your plan B as well, trying to navigate out of that. Um, so I suppose we'll talk about it all on today's mm. episodes. A few header thoughts for yourself to have a think about with your family, with your harvest crew or wherever you may be. Um, you can never plan too much for your own farming operation or even your own goals. Yeah, so no, pr pr probably the best thing to do all thought is um, break it down small and look at the um, yeah the, the, the shorter term planning. It's yep. you know, going you know, into harvest. So at the end of the day, most people are desperately trying to get the program off and managing staff and, and and probably learning what went wrong and what went right last year from you know whether it be from you know machinery point of view or a paddock planning point of view or a logistics point of view so you know i wish everyone all the best for that um and then obviously a lot of our a lot of our growers well before sort of harvest um we're starting to talk about um obviously grain grain's been at you know phenomenal prices sort of thing so trying to um, manage their marketing point of view. So when they're going into, into harvest and speaking to their grain brokers or even when they do it themselves, a lot of clients are sort of worried about, well, what do I do with all this grain? Do I cash it? Do I pull it? Do I defer it? So we always um, strongly um, advocate for um, pre-harvest tax estimates. They're, pr they're pretty rough. Um, effectively, it's a lot just basically sort of saying, well, how much grain do you reckon is coming in based on the cost that you've had? this is going to be your estimated tax position now. Um, they can take that information away and go to, and then if, if tax isn't a problem, you know, go sell to your heart's content. Or if there is a bit of a tax burden, at least they're aware of it and they can sell accordingly and we can review it later. So, um, yeah, so we would have gone into the pre-harvest pre estimates. Generally following on from that after harvest, the farm, well, people that have farm consultants generally sort of come in and um, yeah, you're preparing the budgets for the future year and, and, and now dealing with those grain proceeds that have come in, um, which is, yeah, works out really, really well. And try, they'll, be, they'll have all sorts of pressure this year now trying to deal with the rising input costs, which I'm sure you would have. Would Absolutely. Bit of a worry, unfortunately, sort of feeling a lot of that cream that's going to come from the, um, the high grain prices could get could get gobbled up in the, at the other end, putting the next year's crop in. Yeah, for those that do have their crop off and getting top dollar for whatever sort of grain, cereal, pulses they may have grown, um, and that's getting sapped up by next year's fertilising mm. costs, it's through the roof currently. Um, and that's even if you do get your crop off, hopefully it doesn't knock the yield around too much. Um, yeah to fill that up so that you are ready to go again next year um, and preparing for that time as well. Because it has to start before you get there, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've got, we've got some growers that got seriously affected by um, a frost that we had in the Eastern wheat belt back in September. And, and, you know, some people were marginally affected and other growers were, um, 
significantly affected. And trouble with frost is generally they are a um, expensive crop because you've you know we had a fantastic start. So people people were throwing the kitchen sink just about at the crop because um, it was looking so good. And then the frost comes in, and yes, that's um yeah people are very worried in what they're actually going to get back. And then now you actually start having a budget for next year's program when you're suffering a fair bit of hurt potentially this year from a pretty ordinary harvest from the frost. So it's a bit of a, yeah, compliment both, both ways, unfortunately. Absolutely. But something that you really need to think about is most farmers are probably currently in the middle of harvest. They've probably pulled up, put the headers up and gone to the pub or they're sitting back and listening to a podcast, watching the rain piss down. <laughs> but apart from getting the grain to the bin, as an accountant, what's your experiences in seeing what the best growers out there are doing currently and how they're getting up ahead of themselves for leading up to harvest during and after? The planning that goes on around this is pretty intricate and detailed. What have you observed in your experiences? Look, I, I still think from our accountant point of view, you've, it's that it's that um, key group of advisors playing their role. So at the, at the end of the day, um, provided the, the budget and everything's been set and you've marketed your grain accordingly, that's when people start calling us up and saying, hey, what are we doing with these numbers? And effectively, um, the, the, the reality is we, we, we are tax accountants and people want to know their tax scenario. So not only will we be doing the full tax estimate and saying, well, look, this is the tax position. If you do nothing, um, then we start implementing tax planning suggestions. But also people that get in early with their tax estimates, so that they're pretty detailed, talking about planning, we'll start to more often than not say, okay, well, what are you trying to aim at in the next maybe one or two years? And so, so is, there, is there business restructures that need to go on? Is there land transfers that need to go on? Is there some other form of um, succession that's bubbling on in the background that sort of now's the time to sort of jump in, in amongst obviously the tax planning side of things, but push these other matters along as our general, not general, our key cutoff point for most of everything is 30 June. So yep. if you want to have a restructure or if you want to do that land transfer, well, at the end of the day, we generally need to get everything done pre-30 June. So we get a clean slate for the 1st of July and that takes time to, to implement. So um, from a planning point of view, the best planning that clients can do is get the crop off, speak to their respective advisors through that chain, and then come to us as, as early as practically possible, generally before seeding, so we can get some of this stuff, you know, rolling. Yeah, absolutely. What about the guys that are storing? So store, grain storage across Australia has probably improved drastically on farm. Mm -hmm. What about those guys that are probably get their their dollars worth probably in the new year x farm grain well at, at, at the end of the day people that can store more grain on farm obviously then have the ability to to average across out you know um take the make the most out of the market as the market changes sort of thing so that's probably where the growth of um on farm grain storage is going and that we're, and we've got clients with serious storage facilities but it just means they're literally trucking out grain almost all year round and um, watching the market. So, you know, that, that's a good um, planning opportunity for them. But obviously that comes at a, at a cost as well to implement it. But, yeah, it's certainly a growing trend for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And probably 
if you do have some downtime during harvest, having a little bit of whiteboard session with your harvest crew, if it's one person or it's 60 people, um, it's pretty important to get everyone on the same page before you go off to the pub and have a beer to see what the goals are of this harvest and how you can better prepare leading into Christmas because no one really wants to be worrying about all the faff of post-harvest coming into Christmas. We all sort of want to break if we're off the header and yeah finished. And look, the, re- the reality is, I suppose, one thing that I've learned over the years, because yeah, we all get um, guilty of just being used to, I suppose, our own farming program. But when you actually get off the farm and either work for other farmers or get involved in the industry in other ways, you see that the scale of some of these businesses is mind blowing. So, you know, it's it's sometimes not just, um, you know, one casual full-time employee. Like I said, we're talking about serious, serious staff. So yep. yeah, they, these whiteboard sessions or these, um, these reviews are actually getting more and more um, considered, thought about, documented down just so they can, you know, get everyone's input and plan that into the into the future future years but it certainly blows my mind the um just how involved and progressive a lot of these um well the, the modern day farmer is yeah it's um not just yeah a couple of people we're talking serious teams and and good collaboration from all but i, th- I really think that's the way it's going you need to start putting your thoughts out on a whiteboard or a piece of paper so others can start to see and transfer the knowledge, which the podcast is trying to tackle as well. Mm. But to have that as a business, a farming operation, to put it down and be transparent with your seasonal casuals or even just your full-time workers is pretty important. You did send across a few whiteboard sessions and they looked at a few things with your positives, ideas, plans and time wasters. How do they rank on the whiteboard sessions they're pretty important to cover. Do you want to go into a bit of detail on that? Oh, look, look to, to, be, to be honest, from a, from a listener's point of view, I think at the end of the day, the take-home message is really analysing how the program went. You know, everyone's program is going to have numerous positives and minuses and, and ideas for growth. But it, like I said, whether it's in a whiteboard or whether it's around yep. the um, workers' table or whatever, to be able to take a picture of it, to document it, and then say, hey, nine months down the track, we're getting geared up for harvest X, Y, Z, you know, you, whether it's recruiting the right people, like the, the time wasters, well, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a good people work. Everyone's got different skills and attributes and you soon work out the ones that probably aren't going to make it. So there's no point recruiting another one of them for the next harvest. So at least if, if you know what's not going to gel within, <laughs> gel within the team, um, having having that visually knowing um works out really well so so the take-home is yes so the points on the respective um yeah whiteboards is is really applicable to any any real business but it's just documenting it i think is the key yeah definitely where stock is so livestock and i'm planning on getting a big whiteboard where you put the property just as a manual sort of thing we've got apps as well that work but quite often it's helpful to have something physical Mm. where you can see what you're doing for joining and everything but I imagine it goes hand in hand for cropping as well to see what's happening and what your ideas are for the next time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also like optimising for the farmer's goals, your clients, what are their goals? Are they looking to improve on next season's harvest, like 1% yield increase or how 
introducing a new variety um, that may play in well for next year's markets. What what are their thoughts around that? Look, to, to be honest, I think um, in relation to any particular key varieties and stuff like that, you know, a, a lot of people probably um, will get that sort of hands-on advice from there, um, yep. either from neighbours or from grower groups or from people in the area. I think I think going forward into what they're trying to the next year is if, if they want to start talking about um, the bigger type plans, like we always just say, look, if you, if, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So I think um, it's going to be throwing up the bigger type issues of, um, you know, people are talking about, as you would, would have seen with the growing in land prices, it's amazing how people are desperately still trying to expand. And um, should they be leasing? Should they be buying? Um, the machinery requirements around that, um, you know, funding the kids' education in the coming years, are they going to have to try and support boarding school fees or is it buying a house in, in a capital city or, or even something simple as, you know, trying to fund, work out ways of funding the older generation's retirement. Those are sort of the bigger picture issues that we are more keen to drive along um, than, and, and then compared to particular, you know, sort of hand, you know, grassroots varieties or, or anything like that on the farm. What about the short-term decisions that we can make now that will impact for next year? Is that trying to look where we can, like buying fertiliser now because we think it will go up or looking at varieties like canola went gangbusters this year, thinking about putting that into our program for next year if you didn't already? Look, to be, to be honest, some of the um, wise words I've received from older farmers over the years in my experience is that, um, you just, you can't chop and change it. Well, you can, but you, you just got to do it carefully in the sense that next season's an all new ball game. Depends yeah. on when, when the break is. And look, if everyone dives into canola, who knows, canola might, you know, fall away next year. Like yeah, at the end of the day, people just, it's a bit, it's a little bit sort of like, you're just basically hedging your bets and do, do what you do well. Yeah. And pe people know their programs better than, than you or I, and, and, and you know your farm better than anyone else. So there's room for change and there's room for um, trying new things. But I think diving into one thing or, or ch ch chasing that new pot of gold, you know, if everyone else does it, we've all seen the booms and busts. So there's certainly um, room to tweak programs, but um, I think you do need to be careful if you're, if you're constantly chopping and changing um, there's a lot to be said for just doing what you do, do well. Yeah, 100%. I'm just looking out my window now and it's absolutely bucketing down. So yeah, okay. fingers crossed for our barley, it's still up. But mate, for longer term planning, how important mm -hmm. was it to for yourself as an accountant and also as a farmer with your family farm, how important was long term planning for yourself? Well, I would say it's critical. And I, and I, I, I think to be honest, we could just about almost wrap up the podcast there. If, 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 if someone listening to this in a machine somewhere across the country wants to take home something, is that all those niggles in the back of your head that you're generally thinking about going, oh, what about this? And oh, how am I going to cope with that? These are all longer term questions, I can just about guarantee you. And the best thing you can do is to try and um, speak, to, speak to people, and address it as best you can and then work out, okay, what can we do to, to look at it? Because 
um, those challenges, although they may not be on your doorstep now, more often than not, they will be coming in time. So the challenges that I faced were very similar to all, all your other growers. And predominantly that's going to be around, you know, do you expand? Do, do, do you not? Um, farm viability of the next generation, um, as, as looping back to the way we started, most, most people want to go back to the farm. That's what we all want to do. Um, but at some point, the dollars and cents has to come in and, and knowing what the farm can and can't produce and can it support one, two, three families on it, um, that, that needs to be worked out. Yeah, absolutely. And taking the average of that, not just getting it in a good year when it's really absolutely. wet like this um, is pretty important to be able to think about that. But for yourself, like everyone else's scenarios are pretty different pretty diverse agriculture in Australia, but what would be the top three sort of long-term planning it would be? I'd put succession in there for sure and probably expansion. What else would you well, throw in the bucket? Well, real, realistically, um, succession really forms a, a large gamut of all of, the, all of those issues, whether it be um, farm expansion, retiring the next generation, bringing in the next the, the, the young generation as well. So succession, succession is, a, is a beast that's affecting, will affect every single farming family. And it's all the little offshoots that come from it. So, you know, we had to grapple with succession and we went with one direction and that's gonna be different from potentially uh, an, another farming family. But effectively at some point when, you know, that it, that's probably the longer term plan that you know, you want to plan around to know that if the plan is to expand, well, you want all your ducks lined up that if that neighbouring property pops up, well, you, you're in a position to grab it. You don't yep. want to be talking about it that time. Oh, do we, don't we, do we, don't we? If your plan is to grow, well, you need to have your finances in place. You need to have make sure you've got the family workforce in place ready to seize that opportunity. Yeah, 100% having your ducks lined up um, really plays out. If not, you're probably going to miss out because property is pretty red hot currently. And I yeah. think... Well, almost unsustainable levels, I would say, but that's probably uh, another conversation itself. But it's, it's incredible. The, the, the Finally, probably agriculture is getting the recognition that it desperately deserved for many years and may, maybe COVID highlighted that. Yeah, I think it really did. But like, it's crazy to see that we're still far behind the property prices of overseas, be it that we're probably larger scale than a few other countries. But Canada, America, um, I think we're still fair way behind there and a bit cheaper per acre. Yeah, not too sure. Look, pro probably quite possibly. Um, but certainly, um, it's certainly, I, I, I know from... Um, from experience that certainly a lot of smaller type growers that would try and you know love to pick up another thousand or so acres it seems to be getting um, harder and harder to get those little add-on blocks generally yep. it's these, these large farms come on the market and yeah whether it be a, a corporate or a larger syndicate try or a larger family take on the whole lot it then makes it very hard just to pick up that little bit um, without absolutely you know spend an absolute fortune yeah 100 in this time i'm trying to get people to think about optimizing rather than do they really need to scale out so yeah it's something to think about on the header in the tractor 
or out yes. there working in horticulture as, as well for harvest period. But for yourself, what did you learn from the whole planning process? What you would do differently now after planning um, for yourself? Oh, look, there's a few, there's a few take-home messages. I think I think num- number one, number one's communication, hands down. Now, yep. I, I was in a very fortunate position that I had really good communication uh, with my mum and dad. So we were able to work closely. We were able to ascertain all the challenges that were coming and we were able to document that down and go, okay, well, how, what's the best way of, of going about it um, into the future? Now, without communication or when it breaks down, it makes it makes progressing that well almost impossible. Um, nearly all of our new clients that have come on board are uh, due to seeking succession advice has predominantly come about because um, communication is broken down between all parties. Yeah. And then for us to then get involved in the middle of it, for the for the families involved, it's you don't want to be in that situation. It's a bit of a nightmare. So hang on to communication as best you can and thrash out thrash out those ideas around the kitchen table. You don't you don't have to agree with every with everything, but you can at least have that open forum um, and communicate well is is number one for sure. Yeah, I think making it that casual conversation makes it a little bit easier. You don't need to get down and write your dot points yep. um, straight away, but making it as easy and approachable. Cup, 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 of, cup of tea at the kitchen table. Coffee. Is gen- yeah, or, <laughs> or, or coffee um, generally is your best starting point for a lot of these, and that's where we were at. So and there was probably lots of cups of tea or potentially coffee, but that's your best starting point. And look, give yourself time. That's the whole idea of discussing this in the podcast now is that if if someone sort of gets a bit of a niggle in the back of their head and go, oh, look, I wouldn't mind approaching some of these conversations, well, get, get in early. So you've got time to, you've got the luxury of time to get to get this stuff worked out and then be ready to either A, you know, secure that next farm or B, you know, potentially look at phasing out. What, what, whatever the option is, it's just much easier to do it um, with time. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes back to communication. I see, and for myself, don't rely on like your old man, your mum or your brother to do the initiation as well. You just need to sort of jump in and start start it off yourself if you're keen to get back mm. into it, come back onto the farm or expand succession, transferring, everything like that. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, hence why I came back. You don't, you don't know until you sort of give it a go and actually get immersed in farming 24 seven because a lot of there's a lot of romance associated with farming there's a lot of tough times as well as, as you're hearing the rain pitter pattering outside um you know it's it's not always you know a lot of fun but you know you're not going to know until you give it a go and then once you've given it a go then it's trying to work out um okay how do we take that next step with the next generation how can we fund it might even be having a look at off-farm off farm work or con- a contracting business is generally pretty common or getting a truck or whatever. They like say if you can't necessarily buy that next farm or what's that next opportunity to sort of get, get the end result that you want to hang on to the farm and keep the family going, but also financially make it all happen as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of things that play in to making that planning process pretty seamless, but navigating and getting all those elements together is a full-time job in itself 
But yeah. once you do have all of them lined up, your ducks in a row, you can really do something with that, optimise what you're doing, expand, transfer, and just having that open communication. Um, yeah. During harvest, it's probably the best time to think about it. You've probably got some downtime on the header as you're probably listening now, or you're even, you're flooded out, flooded in and listening to this podcast, yeah. trying to see how you can improve your own operation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, don't be afraid to ask for help, really. You know, whether, whether it be family members, whether it be a trusted friend or your accountant or your consultant, at the end of the day, a lot of people um, may have experienced similar problems and might be able to come with a different, different approach or a different idea on how to progress some of these ideas. So, um, yeah, get, yeah make, make, make sure you speak to people. Absolutely. And as we wrap up this planning process for the head of thoughts, what would be your piece of farms advice for them to take away to set themselves up for 2022 season? Pretty scary that we've already nearly wrapped up 21. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, my head's still probably a little bit locked in um, 20, 2021 at the moment. But look, I think that, look, with ag- agriculture at the end of the day, next year is going to present a whole new world of challenges, whether it's input costs, um, whether who knows what will happen, um, you know, with either COVID or, you know, because WA has been a little bit shielded by COVID a little bit, to be honest. So I think we're probably in for a bit of a wake-up call next year as we all start to open up. But I think at the end of the day, we'll all just keep doing our best. And, and um, yeah, the, the year will evolve and, and farmers are very adaptable. So the, the rain will eventually stop, mate, and the sun will come out. And all of a sudden, you know, people will adapt to, you know, in, into into the new season. So I think I think realistically, if people can, you know, speak to their account, get the tax side of things, work out, talk about these bigger picture options, and break it down small. See, do the low hanging fruit. Yep. See what you can. Do, don't look at everything. Oh God, how am I going to do all of this now? You know, a it'll probably take years to do it. B do the easy stuff. Yep. Find find the little stuff that you might be able to tick off next year, and you know progress things along and 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 certainly document your ideas because um then whether it be improving harvest for next year or the longer term plans you can refer back to it and hold yourself to account and say okay well if i've achieved nothing this year although i wanted to well why not yeah. what was what was holding you back so um but i think certainly the season for next year i think will be um will have its all new challenges but Fortunately, farmers are a special bunch and they'll, they'll, they'll get through it just fine. Absolutely. Controlling what you can control and don't worry about the rest. We yeah. can't really change what the weather's going to do. So just worry about the elements you can control. Absolutely. But Jared, thanks very much for coming on and sharing your expertise with the Farms Advice listeners and also myself. I'm always learning with the listeners as well as we talk to all these guests on the show. So really appreciate it, mate. No, look, th- thank you very much for having me on the program, Jack. I've um, really enjoyed it. And, and uh, look, I, I wish all the growers out there um, for a speedy harvest. And I hope that f- finishes up well for everyone, I, although I know it's a bit of a challenging time. And, um, yeah, it's a bit scary to think they're already cracking into December. But I um, yeah, wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And hopefully we'll all catch up in 2022. Absolutely. And to all you guys out in the West as well, but mate, before we wrap up, let's find out who else is coming on the Beyond the Tax Return series from Byfields. Who's it going to yeah. be? 
Yeah, no, there's a bit. There's a there's a long line of people that are keen to come on, mate. So at this stage, it'll be um yeah Simon Boyd, who's an associate at the firm, and yeah, he'll be he'll be coming on after me to, to share a bit more insightful wisdom. Great stuff, and he'll bring the goods for the podcast. But how can we get in touch with yourself and your expertise, or even just the Byfields team? Oh, look at the end of the day, like everyone with their with their phones these days. I think just um look up Byfields online and go to the website, and that's got all the all the key information. So. If anyone has any any questions or they'd like to speak to someone, um, either myself or anyone on the crew, be more than happy just to, to have a chat and see what we can do to help out. Beautiful. You'll be able to find all the show notes in the show notes, the, all the links in the show notes. So you'll be able to find it all there. Well, mate, thanks for coming on. We'll keep in touch. Sounds good. Thanks, Jack. So with that done and dusted, are you going to start planning for your 2022 season? No matter what it may be like, if it's looking pretty wet or you're going into a dry start, it really helps to start getting in there and starting to think about it or even just communicating with your workers, your family, in what's going to go on in 22 and how you can better it on 2021. It's always good to go up in the season and... Across the country, it is looking pretty good at the moment. A few crops have been battered, but it is a lot better than five, six years worth of drought. So make sure if you got something out of this episode, share it with your mates, your harvest crew, if you're still going out there. Shout out to all of those in the tractor, out in the paddock, picking the fruit and vegetables coming into summer. Um, And on the east coast, we're looking to warm up a little bit more this week so it's going to be really good a good summer with a lot of moisture in the ground but don't forget this to share this episode with your harvest crew to support the podcast and the hours of sweat equity i've put in so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next tuesday only a few more to go in 2021
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 